0: Church Charlotte. The title here for a little while is this pulling strings and pushing buttons. Pulling strings and pushing buttons. I want to uh, just share with you how I got to this uh, moment of teaching this subject. Um, as you know, we've been having early morning prayer for, uh, what, two, maybe maybe, maybe a little over two weeks now, and it, it will be continuing this week. I uh, will be hosting it um not on Wednesday morning, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I will be hosting it, 6.30 a.m. and you can get the link uh, just by getting the text message. Um, it's not an obligation to anyone. Um, I don't do it so anyone will feel bad about themselves or feel guilty. Some of you are like, my God, I just can't do it. I totally understand. Um, I do not want to use it as a duty in your life. If you have enough duty in your life, it's simply an opportunity um, that if your day works and you want to join with us. Um, On Mondays, uh, tomorrow morning, I will specifically be praying a prayer that will be starting our week off. So if you are in a high-stress career, if you are building a business, if you are facing a tough week, uh, perhaps in school, um, you want to join with us on the 6.30 a.m. on Monday mornings. We're going to pray over our week. We're going to dedicate the week to the Lord. We're going to ask for favor in our jobs, favor in our careers, in our businesses. We're going to dedicate the week to the Lord. We're going to open our hands and surrender everything that we have happening uh, on Monday mornings. That's going to be the specific focus of Monday morning prayer at uh, 630. Again, if it doesn't work for you, I do not want you to feel guilty. Um, You you do you. Uh, Like, for example, my wife will never host early morning prayer, um, and that's because she needs Jesus. But besides that, uh, (laughs) no, I'm not using it as, I don't want want anyone to feel guilty. Guilty over it. You have enough guilt in your life. Prayer is not something that should be guilt motivated. It should not be guilt motivated. It's like it's like imagine the insult of being with someone you love and saying, "Oh, I've got to be with them." I'm come on, no, um, that's not what we're trying to do. But I do. I have felt the difference in my life uh, with our early morning prayer, and I have felt the encouragement to me of praying with you. And so every week we're changing it up a little bit. This week I'll probably have more other people lead the prayer some, so if you're a regular in that, be ready. I might call on you to lead some, uh, uh, like five ten minutes of the prayer. Um, So, all right, now that I have put you all in a state of shock uh, between uh, Adam and Valeria and early morning prayer that you're going to lead for three hours, and you didn't even know about it, and you weren't prepared, um, I uh, will explain, uh, in prayer this week, I thought of how many people I have seen who uh, think they are living a life of their choice and intention but really, they're being moved around by circumstances and manipulated by external realities. And it's as though the enemy of their life has a string on them and is leading them around. And they don't perceive it. It, it, it is as though their eyes are blind to the, the puppet string that is in their life. And out of that came this desire to try to take some of the tremendous scriptures of the word of the Lord that speak to this and use it as a wake-up call to all of us to make sure we are living intentionally. We are not just accidentally walking through our days. You need to be effective for the kingdom of God. Can I have a great big amen? Amen. Let me have one more real big amen. You need to be effective for the kingdom of God. You need to choose your values. Um, There is a whole part of modern um, life. There is a whole segment of capitalism. That is the study of how to manipulate you to do something that is not good for you, but is good for the person who is selling you something. We might call it marketing. We might call it uh, you know, various forms of, of influence and the study of influence and sociology. But billions of dollars are spent every year to learn how to manipulate your choices. Uh, they don't Care what's the smart move for you. They care what the smart move is for them. They don't care what is best for you. They care what is best for them. For example, no one in Detroit cares if your car is paid for. They want to convince you that if you don't buy a new car and spend a solid chunk of your earnings over the next few years, that you won't find true happiness, that you won't find the life that you've. Designed. And they study, they literally study everything from your psychology to the very. Systems of your consciousness. They study how they can get you to do what's best for them, not what's best for you. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, so it is also with uh, political parties and politics are a part of life and all of you should vote your conscience. You should not, however, be played like a puppet by the political politicians in your life. You should be able to vote your conscience and not be manipulated because there's whole studies, there's whole groups that they test this and try that. And the goal is how can they get you to act in their self-interest, not in your self-interest? And if this is true in a natural carnal sense, How much more is the enemy of our soul interested in manipulating you to act in uh, the interests of the kingdom of hell and not in the interests of the kingdom of heaven. In fact, I believe that most of the damage that church people and churches live through is the result of some type of self-inflicted wound, some type of self-inflicted division, some type of being manipulated by a puppet string led over here when God wanted us over there and now when God's moving over here the enemy wants to use a string of distraction interests and draw our attention over here he doesn't really need to draw you away from church he just needs to make sure you aren't an effective ambassador for the kingdom of God and so hell's greatest success with church people is not in defeating your faith but in distracting your attention not in removing your mission, but in derailing your mission, not in some way thwarting your purpose. Remember, the gates of hell shall not prevail against uh, the church. Uh, It's not in thwarting your purpose, it's in getting you to change your purpose. And so all of us, if we are blind to it, we will fail to see the fact that our lives are filled with marionette strings and things pull us over here, and our attention attention is over there, and our distractions over here, and our interest is over here. In the meantime, the fields are empty. In the meantime, our loved ones are in some way alienated. In the meantime, we, distracted by things we can't control, toss our hands in the air and don't even strive to do what we could control. And the kingdom of God suffers not because of the force of hell, but because of the deception of hell. Now, I know I'm laying laying a lot on you right now with all of that. But I want to uh, challenge all of you to see how our lives are filled with puppet masters and puppet masters need puppets. This is what Jesus would say when his disciples ask about their response, what would be the correct response to uh, the Pharisees and their teaching, their criticism of Jesus, their attack upon Jesus. Jesus said, and he gives them direct instruction, ignore them. And this is where he gives the passage, the blind lead the blind, and they both fall into the ditch. There is a world full of puppet masters. It might be getting you to spend your money a certain way. It might be getting you to vote a certain way. It might be getting you to adopt some movement, uh, some interest, some special interest, some hobby, some, you make a list. We could go on and on with it, but the point is. Can you see the puppet master behind the curtain, or are you fated forever to dance out your life to another person's rhythm, to live your life by another kingdom's values, and to settle for a journey that was not chosen by you, but was attractive to you, and you just fell into the caravan without intention, without effort. I want to say this to all of you. If you're coming to the house of the Lord, if you're spending time in the Word of God, if you're reading the Bible, it's because you want to make God's kingdom your kingdom. Can I have a big first, church? Amen. I'm not content to just go my own way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise in this house. Uh, we all of us can be blind to puppet masters. A few few years ago, the FBI actually, in an attempt to separate gullible young people from being attracted by um, violent ideologies, terrorism, whether, in, whether foreign or domestic, uh, they created a website that you could refer a young person to that would help them distinguish between uh, things that were actually true and things that were in some way uh, uh, a narrative being fed to them. And it, it was called, if I remember correctly, it was some version of, 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 of clipping the strings or um, uh, the marionette. Don't be a marionette, I think, was one of the slogans they used. And the idea was they would take the statements that would be made by a violent religious, uh, typically, most commonly, probably someone of uh, more of a Middle Eastern, Uh, radicalization. Um, We uh, need to be fair and we do not need to believe that everyone is out to get us because if we have a mentality that everyone is out to get us, then where is the mission field? We don't have an emission field anymore. We only have a battlefield. Do you see what I'm saying there? So the Lord has to keep our hearts soft uh, toward this kind of thing. But there are groups, there are religious uh, uh, theological groups that they... They have a violent end that they would like to bring the world to. And you could direct someone and they'd try to talk them out of that. Um, but the truth is, it's more subtle than that. It's easy to see how a violent person could try to lead a, a simple young person uh, into seeing that violence was an answer unless they would strap a bomb onto their chest and go out to a public place and kill others. Uh, but the truth is, the puppet master are more subtle than that. And we can all of us live our lives where we get pulled about by other people's fights. We get recruited to other people's passions. We get roped into other people's negativity. I want to make an appeal to you to stop being a dumping ground for other people's negativity. Whenever you talk to someone and they're very, very angry, before you join in, always remind yourself it probably isn't your fight. Somebody say thank you. That's some good advice. Thank you very much. Uh, whenever you're talking to somebody and they're just furious about something, remind yourself, if at all possible, it probably isn't your fight. Now, they would love to make it your fight because it is helpful to them to recruit as many people as they can to their fight. But here's the thing. It's probably not your fight. So why be a dumping ground for their negativity? We've got to be careful not to be a dumping ground for other people's gossip. Yeah, We have to be careful not to be a dumping ground for other people's toxic reactions to circumstance. We have to believe that uh, God's way is not just an accident in our life, but we choose it every single day. I choose his values, I choose his kingdom. There's a thousand things I don't care about in this life, so there can be one big thing I care about more than anything, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard a joke about a husband who asked his wife, she, he said, uh, you know, when I, I get mad, I, I yell, and, and you know I'm mad, and, and when you get mad, you never say nothing. You're always so quiet when you get mad. How is it that you can be mad, and you, how do you control your anger? And his wife told him, she said, well, honey, what I do is I just clean the toilet. And he says, that makes no sense. How can cleaning the toilet help you when you're angry at me? She said, well, darling, I use your toothbrush. <laughs> uh yeah, gross. Um uh so my point is this if we were to, we can't look at all of the human emotions that manipulate us, right? We can't look at all of the manners in which Satan uses devices in our life to manipulate us, to push our buttons, to control us, to make us distracted with this when God needs us over here, to make us angry about this when we don't even have a reason to be angry over the, about this, to get involved in this when it is nothing positive for us being involved in that. How can we learn? How can we see? I don't have time to talk about it all, so I just want to talk about one of the most common human emotions that get you involved, that manipulates you, that changes your emotional state, that changes your emotional experience, that invokes your emotion to get involved in things that really are not a help to you, and I would say that would be this. Anger, more than anything else, Giving vent to will affect every element of your life. Giving vent to anger will affect every uh, reality of your life. Why do I say that? Well, because anger is a social emotion. Anger is a social emotion. Um, if you were if you were alone, you would not feel anger near as much. Even anger at yourself would not be near as powerful um, if you were not being influenced by other circumstances. When you're angry at yourself, it's almost always related to other people in your world. You can be frustrated when you're alone. That's not a necessarily a social. emotion. You can be fearful when you're alone. That's certainly uh, not dependent upon a social emotion. Uh, But anger is almost always a social emotion. And the Bible shows us how damaging anger is. Let me just give you some scripture here. Proverbs 25, 28. This is the TEV version. If you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack. You cannot separate separate yourself from those people around you who would perhaps wish you harm. You have no barrier. Angry people are always quickly and easily manipulated by other people. Proverbs 12 and 16, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. That's some good life advice right there. Proverbs sixteen thirty-two: it is better to be patient than powerful. I've never heard anybody say that, but I have read it several times in the scripture. It's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Without self-control, your victories will mean nothing to you. Without self-control, your victory can be part of what is destroying you, just as Alexander the Great conquered the whole world but could not master himself. And so having not an immediate plan, a sense of destiny upon him, he proceeded to drink himself to death and died at a very young age, all because although he could conquer a city, he could not conquer his own dysfunctional wanting within him." Anger is a perfect example of that which manipulates us in our life. Because it is a social emotion, we almost always have to target anger. Anger is almost always a gun that you aim, so to speak, a scope that you look through, a direction for your emotion and your frustration. Without a target, anger would just turn into a low-pressure frustration. You need a target to make it high pressure. You need someone you can blame to make it high pressure. And here the word of the Lord comes along and tells us over and over and over and over again, if you cannot control your anger, you will not be able to control yourself. You will be manipulated by your perception of events, manipulated by your perception of fault. You will not have an accurate, wisdom-based response to your circumstances. We all of us need to have victory over uh, the damaging effects of anger in our lives. So let me just speak to all of you. I don't always know what's going on in your life. Sometimes I do. But if any of you are dealing with feelings of rage, I want you to open your spirit to the Lord here today. And I want you to lay down the judge's gavel where you decide who's at fault and who's to blame, and you say, Lord Jesus, I need your mercy, and so I will receive it, and I will give it to others. Anger will destroy you. Anger is toxic, it is damaging, it will destroy you. Uh, if, If you get a target to your anger, it usually will become a method whereby you process pain within yourself. So much of anger is your version of processing pain. And so when you find yourself just furious, very angry, look for the pain in your life and ask yourself how you are processing that pain. If you are not processing pain well, it will almost always turn into a form of anger. You'll decide who is good and who is bad, and the truth is none of us are very qualified at that. You will decide who is worthy and who is unworthy, and the truth is none of us are worthy. Can I have a better amen than that? You will aim this Pain at something and what comes out will be rage and the story you tell yourself will not be you submitting to God but it'll be you processing pain and in order to deal with pain, if you're dealing with pain without God's help in your life, you're going to aim it at somebody and most commonly it's going to be someone else. Sometimes you aim it at yourself but even that, it has to circle through someone else because the pain that we live with and we face is so often a social emotion that comes to us reflected back from our relationship From others. Pain itself is not always a source of anger. Pain itself can be rightly handled. Pain itself can be laid upon an altar. Lord, help us to lay our pain upon an altar and not be manipulated by it, but rather to surrender it before you and ask for spiritual healing in our life. And can some church folks say, Amen? Um, Pain itself is not uh, uh, usually enough to get us all the way to anger, pain is usually combined with blame. We take We combine it with blame. It serves as a type of trigger. We make assumption about other people. We decide why they did it. We don't know why they did it. They may not know why they did it, but it helps us to process it, to turn it into anger. And so we make assumptions. We make evaluations. We give interpretations to circumstances we may or may not know much about, and we decide people uh, hurt us and uh, they at best were uh, indifferent, and at worst, they were malevolent, and and the Pain flows out as anger. We can't even see that in the anger of our lives, anger is controlling us. We're like a puppet manipulated by our anger. We would like to do the smart thing, but we're not the one controlling the strings. Anger is controlling us. It would help us to humble ourselves, maybe even apologize. Why can't we do it? Because anger is controlling us. And like Pinocchio, the marionette, we're being controlled by anger and the blind lead the blind we justify our anger we connect with angry people we create a narrative where the world can burn but we are pure yeah. Yeah. And we can't see how we are a marionette. We're controlled. It's not just anger. I'm just using anger as a teaching example. It could also be fear. It could also be envy. It could also be uh, 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 some type of, of uh, how shall we say this, you, something you've, you've survived and it, it, it was formative to you. And you learned how to cope with it, but you've never really been healed from it. You, what you have is a system of coping. And what you realize if you live long enough, is a lot of the tremendous opportunities in your life were closed doors because you did not know how to lay your past down, aim or navigate the ship of your life toward a goal and say, I choose that, I choose that. No, you were too busy being blown by the wind. You were like a ship without a rudder, the Bible says. And here, you are a victim of your world. You are not a conqueror. Over your world. Uh, your problem is not even just temptation, although that can be a problem. It's also uh, the fact that there is no rudder. There is no intention. Uh, you are the puppet and everything else is pulling the strings. The first step is always God opening our eyes. God, open our eyes. Let me surrender my solution and call upon the name of the Lord. As a church, we cannot be caught up in some type of a, um, a distraction into things that are not spiritually effective. It's it's very natural for groups of people to be caught up into things that really are about um, maybe interests or distractions or whatever, but that's not really where the revival is. Um, I, I have so often in my life found myself struggling and wrestling with something and finally take it to prayer and have some version of the Lord quicken my spirit like this. I'm saying, God, what what about this? What about this? What about that? What about the other? Lord, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. And I'm just telling all the Lord what he needs to do to keep his kingdom intact, because without me, what would the dear Lord do? He would be lost without me. You know, but luckily he has me, I can I can save him. Do you see the absurdity of this? Do you see the absurdity of it? I go to the Lord, and uh, the, the answer I get from the Lord is that doesn't matter. Why, why are you spending so much time on it? Doesn't matter. Uh, but they, but this one over here, it doesn't matter. Why are you spending so time on it? Why are you? Fo-? It's as though uh, in the Bible we get this kind of advice. You know, let that situation uh, do what it's going to do. Let those people do what they're going to do. Let the just you, you focus on what God has called you to do. The first step to spiritual effectiveness is learning. how how to let go of the junk in your life and say there's a bunch of stuff I may or may not know anything about I don't care but let me tell you what I've decided I've decided to be a worshipper I've made up in my mind I'm going to be a worshipper I might like this. I might like that. But I've made up in my mind, if that happens or doesn't happen, I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm not going to be a puppet manipulated by the puppet masters in my life. I choose the kingdom of God. I choose the values of the kingdom of God. I choose the way of the Lord. No one's making me do it. I choose the way of the Lord. Somebody say yes. yes. Woo. And so we so often have to see how the strings of our circumstances uh, manipulate us, how so much the, uh, the world pushes our buttons, and um, we were going to do this, and this happens. It's, it has been my experience, and let me just share this with you very quickly. I, um, I, and Now my wife and I, uh, we, we've seen it so much that uh, we just say it back and forth to each other. I, I say it to my pastoral team. My pastoral team says it back to me. Whenever there has been a uh, 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 like the Lord moving in a certain way and a lot of good things are happening, um, usually I'll say to one of them, one of them will say to me or I'll say to my wife or she'll say to me. It always goes something like this. Well, you need to, you need to, you need to expect the enemy to, to try to stir something up because there's been a lot of good stuff happening. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get ready' having a little bit too much success around here the um, the so this summer we had a we had the the, the most people baptized in any one summer uh, in the church history which is exciting for us and um, we try not to you know make it bragging rights uh, um, but we do try to celebrate one to another. Um, we, so we were excited about this. We were driving home from church the other day and my wife said, look, I'm just gonna, she said, I'm gonna pray for you right now and, and, and you, you should know living with that woman is hard. You should know. So she he reached over and put, she's like, I, I pray, Lord, that when the devil shows up to try to stir up some trouble, that this man would just be able to laugh at it because he would know what the enemy was trying to do. And I waited till she got done praying. I said, you really want me to laugh at it? She said, yeah, I want you to To know what it is, I want you to laugh at it. You see, here's the reality hell has much more success uh, distracting us than it has stopping us. You see, because if hell can distract you, it doesn't have to stop you. You see how so much of, of, of the kingdom of God is like a door you go through? It's like the Apostle Paul talked about an effective door. Uh, a door was opened unto me. So much, it, it's, it's almost everything in the kingdom of God is like that. If you, if, if you can get through the door, you might see what is beyond the door. Uh, but if you don't make it to that door, then um, it doesn't really matter. No, nothing else really matters. And so the lesson of this is so important. Uh, we oftentimes remind ourselves here at First Church how important connection is. If I can connect with people, there might be a chance for real ministry. That's why we value things like small groups. Um, You can spend all your life in a prayer closet saying, God, use me. But if you don't make a connection, how's he going to use you? We have to make connection. If you make connection, you might be able to minister to somebody. You might be able to win somebody to the Lord. You might be able to be used of God. But if you don't have any connections, it won't matter if you have all power and all glory. You can't be your own purpose. You see what I'm saying? And so it's a door. Do you see that door? So it is with distraction. Um, if if the enemy can get, we have to get there focused on the mission in order to do the mission. If the devil can just get us distracted, he doesn't have to fight us. He doesn't have to stop us. God show us how the puppet masters in our life, some of them carnal, some of them hobby, some of them just distractions, not sins in themselves. But if they get out of balance in our life, they begin to miss manipulate us away and lead us astray. Let me show you real quick in the scripture how we're we're using pain as a teaching example and we're using anger as a teaching example. I want to show you four places in the Bible where you see people dealing with anger and they're dealing with it by the flesh, not by the spirit. First example is Cain and uh, he becomes furious. Genesis 4 uh, verse number five tells us Cain became furious and he scowled in anger. If you keep reading the passage, you get down to verse number eight, you'll read, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. This is, he's processing anger. What does he do? He lets anger turn him into a maniac. He literally commits uh, rage murder. I mean, he, he, is, he is in the, his hatred and his anger, he commits murder. His, his anger turns him to a, into a maniac. I've seen that happen. Uh, with people, uh, the second example is Jeremiah. This is chapters fifteen, uh, verses seventeen and eighteen. Uh, Jeremiah is mad at the people. He's been preaching. They won't receive him. They persecute him. They treat him horribly. I mean, like really, really bad. Uh, and he decides, fine, I'll just let them all be lost. I'm not going to tell them anymore. I'm just going to be quiet. And so what he does is he lets his anger make him mute. Here's this passage. I stayed by myself and was filled with anger. I was filled with anger. Why do I keep on suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? He lets anger turn him into a mute. This is passive aggressive. I'm not speaking to him anymore. I'm not even looking at them anymore. They're dead to me. Um, uh, He let anger turn him into a mute. The first one, uh, Cain let anger turn him into a maniac. Here's the third one. This is the prodigal's elder brother. Uh, He lets um, his pain turn him into a martyr. Luke 15, verse number 28. The elder brother was so angry, he would not go into the party that was being thrown because his younger brother had come home. Uh, He just won't go in. He's outside. He's pouting. So his father comes out to find him and pleads with him. And he says, you've never done anything like this for me. He let his anger turn him into a martyr. Do you see how all of these guys are being moved by a puppet master? Their anger is manipulating them. It's a string leading them around. And what's the result? All of them are leading themselves into despair and pain because they are being uh, manipulated by the puppet master. The fourth example is The Pharisees. You'll read in Luke chapter number six, verse number 11, that the Pharisees were furious and they began to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. So here you have malevolent. Uh, So number one, it turned them into anger, turned them into a maniac. Number two, it turned them into a mute, I'm not talking to them anymore. Number three, uh, it turned them into a martyr. I won't even go in there. I'm done with them. And number four, it made them malevolent. None of these people started out. Thinking this through, but all of them were being led astray. So it is in our life, if we're not careful, we can be puppets on a string of circumstances. What have you survived in your past that's always coming out ever so often to put a string on you and drag you around, and you spent a week or two in depression because of what happened back in the day? What in your life? You're doing fine, and then something happens at work. It's probably a similar thing over and over, and you find Find yourself dragged right back into it. My brothers, my sisters, this is not the way to spiritual victory. You have to see the puppet master behind the screen. And you have to say, I hereby declare freedom in Jesus Christ. I, I, I declare freedom in Jesus Christ over the snares of my past. Over everything that I have survived. Maybe damaged by, but my God is a healer. I declare freedom from the program of fear. That runs in my life over and over and over. I declare a new day in Jesus Christ. I want to pray over you right now. Why don't you pray with me all across the house, Lord Jesus? I pray that our, these people, these wonderful, beautiful people, would see the streams of deceit that are trying to lead them into folly and despair. Oh God, make us wise to Satan's devices. In Jesus' name, we pray. Yes, God. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this house right now. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. He is the one who can change everything in your life. You are not a prisoner. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Now, I've given you a fair number of scriptures. I've given you a fair number of examples from the Bible. Now, I want to surprise you a little bit and tell you something that is not written by religious people, not written by people of faith, but it's written by uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, people who do um, study of your uh, mind, your personality, um, literally uh, all of the interactions of humanity. And if you read their research, they, uh, you will find, this um, this rather startling statement in one form of one phrasing or another, whether justified or unjustified, the seductive feeling of righteousness associated with anger offers a powerful temporary boost to self-esteem. Have you ever wondered why angry people are always so dismissive of other people, and they always carry this huge volume of contempt? For other people, everybody else is dumb. Nobody else knows anything. You're all just a bunch of yahoos, and this angry person—they have all understanding, and everybody else is some form of a joke. Angry people are readily reveal themselves because they cannot hide their anger um, on their social media. Their anger is just explosive. But here's the thing: of all, and this is uh, interesting—you all, uh, all, you're all members. of this generation, you all need to understand this. The most powerful emotion in social media is anger. And so because they count their success... The social media algorithms count their success by how many times something is reshared or something is uh, liked. That's how they count success. Not whether or not it's true, not whether or not it's good for you, but how many times it is shared. What is the most powerful human emotion in a social media format, not by a little bit, but by a whole lot? It is anger. It is rage. Therefore, that means... For about two decades now, maybe one decade for sure, some of the brightest minds in computer science have unwittingly created algorithms to raise the level of rage in our society. They weren't trying to do that. They were trying to get likes and retweets. That's what they were trying to do. But what they did is they lassoed, without knowing it, to raise the highest points of rage in society. This has happened to a lesser degree, believe it or not, in America than it has in a lot of third World nations. There's a lot of books and research out on this right now. A lot of the things that have happened, violence that's happened in India, where one religious group will burn down the churches and riot and kill hundreds of people in the streets. When you research it back, it almost always comes back to a social media idea that. <laughs> found the perfect deal and was retweeted. And the algorithms, they just want more retweets. That's how they get paid. And so what they did is they found the most damaging lie in that society, and they promoted it, promoted it, promoted it. They weren't intending to do it. You need to understand your generation. They weren't intending to do it. Whatever lie got the most retweets, resubmits, likes, shares. That is what the algorithm was putting out. And there have been literally riots. There have been burnings of churches, synagogues. Temples, there have been tremendous outpourings of hate and rage, and people for years didn't understand how it's happening. Uh, it was this outpouring of the most powerful human emotion, which is anger. Whatever gets you angry has two to three times the chances of you resharing it than something that makes you happy. Yes. And so here we live in this age of rage. Without knowing it, it's as though we created robots whose job was to make you as angry as possible. And it's affected every element of our life. And I want to say this to you. Here we are, marionettes, and the puppet masters have the string. Are we praying? No, we're mad about something. We don't even know if it's true or not, but we're mad about it. As a generation, are we working to make the world better? Well, we ought to be, but the algorithm has our number and it's moving us around and we're mad about something. It takes us two weeks to figure out it didn't even happen. But for two weeks, people were enraged. We are the age of Pinocchio and the puppet masters behind the screen with the the strings and here comes the marionette walking and I wish I could say it was just the world, but the truth is the church, particularly the evangelical church, has been more susceptible to this than almost any other other group that can be studied en masse. And so this is my challenge. It's time for the church to focus on being the church. It's time for the church to say, look, all of this stuff, I'm going to leave this. Everybody vote what you think ought to be. That's not what I can make a difference in. This is what I can make a difference in. God, I want the kingdom of heaven to come in my life. I want truth to be shared in my family. I want hope to be given in my life. Am I preaching to anybody here today? Yes. God save us from a world of uh, having strings pulled and buttons pushed because the devil doesn't have to stop us he just has to distract us the devil doesn't have to defeat us he just has to disarm us he doesn't have to he doesn't even have to stop us in our track tracks. In fact, we know biblically he cannot. So his success is much simpler than that. Let's find something that doesn't really matter and let's make him care a whole lot about it. And that's hell's success against people of faith. Find something that doesn't really matter. Find something that's not even talked about much in the Bible and build a whole movement around it. Find out something that's just a script. You have one place. You have one one place and no other mention. Let's build a whole, a whole thing around it and uh, make sure everybody's doing that. Because uh, as long as they're doing that, then uh, this, other stuff doesn't matter. Let's, let's let's let them make this gospel politics. Uh, because if they can make the gospel politics, that automatically means fifty uh, percent of the world they say they want to reach won't ever visit their church. You, you, see, you see how that works? All you have to do is make the gospel political and now 50% of your mission field is never going to visit your church. You see what I'm saying? They're not going to admit they, they're wrong and then come to your church and sit at your feet and say, oh great one, tell me dearly beloved what I should do and how I should think. That's, not, that's never going to happen. It just means all influence is out the door. We have to focus on getting beyond the deception that the enemy would like to keep the church in and say, this one thing I do. Yes! This one thing I do. That's what Paul said, this one thing I do. What am I doing? I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm reaching for the prize. I am committed. I'm focused. I know this is one of those sermons that we're kind of plowing a little bit, and I've kind of put the plow in the soil, but hear me, this, I sincerely believe, is part of the spiritual breakthrough that is waiting for you in your life when you make God's concerns your concerns. It won't happen by accident. It's going to happen when you choose it. You're going to have to choose. You're going to have to confess your way, oh God, not my way. I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. And I want to to end by uh, giving you uh, some wisdom on how to disarm uh, these provocateurs in your life. The the, the puppet master, we have to clip the the strings. And the buttons that are available to make us reactionary, we have to cover them up. We have to protect them so we are not being manipulated. Manipulated by, if you'll allow me to say it this way, the algorithm. <laughs> We're not manipulated by the uh, spiritual forces uh, that would work spiritually in the same way that an algorithm would, whether intentionally or not, push things to your attention simply because it represents the highest possible uh, attention-seeking behavior on its part. So uh, real quick, a handful of ways to stop being a, a marionette and start seeing through. And I, I'm gonna focus these particularly on to anger because I've used anger as a teaching example. I wanna reiterate one more time, it's not the only emotion that can manipulate us, uh, but it certainly is one of them. Remember the cost of anger. Nothing really is free. Uh, maybe your mother's love is free, but try not washing the dishes and see if you don't get the back of her hand. Um, <laughs> uh, that's about as close as it's gonna get to free. Um, After that, well, everything else is going to be cost money. Uh, My little girl used to, and my son too, they would bring me free games on their iPads. Dad, let me have this game. And I would make them say this every single time. They would have to repeat after me, Dad, there is no free. There is no free. About three months later, they quit bringing those things to me. And (laughs) because they didn't want to have to say, Dad, there is no free. It's not free. They just want your information. You pay with your information, and then they track you. Anyway, moving along. Um, I'm not really preaching against the internet today. It's just a perfect teaching example, do you see? It's the perfect teaching example of how we get manipulated by things we don't even see. It's true. Yeah. Um, remember the cost of angry of anger. There is no free. Proverbs 29, 22, An angry person causes trouble and a person with a quick t- temper sins a lot. Some of you need to write that down. A person with a quick temper sins a lot. How about Proverbs 15, verse number 18. Hot tempers cause arguments. Yeah, I know deep thoughts. Proverbs 14 to 29. Anger causes mistakes. How about 14 and 17? People with hot tempers do foolish things. How about 14 to 29? Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper make mistakes. What's the point? Anger is an example of something in our life that can manipulate us, and we don't even know we're being manipulated. When we get done with our anger, we've ruined opportunities. We've lost client relationships. We've lost jobs. We've got kicked out of colleges. Oh, we were angry. Wasn't worth it. We've lost relationships. We have embittered families. We have estranged children. We lost our temper. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely not worth it. We have to see the strings in our life that would try to destroy us and manipulate us. Uh, the second uh, lesson on pain, or excuse me, on anger that I think would be helpful in this is the Bible invokes us to, to have patience with the people who are causing us anger. Uh, this is Proverbs 19 and 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. Where does your wisdom come from? Patience. Where does You see the relationship? Where does your patience come from? Wisdom. Uh, there is this, uh, as it were, positive feedback cycle when you learn how to shut or put a lid on your anger. And uh, it, wisdom gives you patience. Patience gives you wisdom. Uh, and here we have this, uh, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It is to his glory, but you'll never see that when you're angry. You have to put a lid on it. You have to let it simmer down. You have to calm down. So it is with anything that is manipulating you in your life. In the moment, your reactionary self is the prisoner of the string that's being pulled, the button that's being pushed. There's a better plan. God, open my eyes to the manipulations in my life. Let me see beyond the snares of the enemy. Help me not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Number three. Uh, The Bible teaches us to think before we react, to slow down and think before we react. Proverbs 13 and 16, sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs twenty nine and eleven: A fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Proverbs fifteen and one: A gentle anger quiets; a gentle answer, I should say, quiets anger. But a harsh answer stirs it up. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Lord, help us to think before we react circumstances in our life, whether we're being prompted by fear, whether we're being prompted by insecurity, whether we're being prompted by anger, help us to slow down and look behind the curtain and see that there is a puppet master manipulating us behind the curtain. Number four, the Bible teaches us to ask God for help. Everything in your life you're serious about changing, I want to say this to you. It's not something, uh, it's just I say this to myself, so if it sounds uh, a little bit stern to you. I want you to know I say it as harsh as possible to myself. It goes like this. Anything I'm not praying about, I'm not serious about changing. I say this to myself almost every day. Make a list of things you want to change. I've got things I need to change. I need to change. I don't want to be 65 years old and fighting on the same mountain. Lord, help me. How discouraging is that? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Anything I'm not praying about, I'm not serious about changing. And so I identify it every day. I identify it every day, what I'm trying to change. And uh, yes, I have, I make notes. What I'm trying to change, and I ask God to change my heart, not just give me self-discipline. You see, I don't want to learn how to cope with it. I want to be transformed away from it when you start praying that way, it will change you. In other words, I never, I never allow myself to repent for sin without repenting for the heart that desired the sin. It's not the same thing. And asking God to change the heart so that temptation, I see through the short-term lie of it. That's what a temptation is. It's a short-term lie. This will make your life better. This will make your life better. Lots of people try it. Not many people's lives get better. (laughs) It's a short-term temptation. It's a a lie. Um, Ask God for help. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Patience, patience, patience. God, help us. Psalms 141, 3. Lord, help me to control my tongue. Help me to be careful about what I say. And finally, uh, I want to make this commitment that I will let my self-worth be given to me by God, not by my world. As long as your world gives you your self-worth, as long as your world gives you your sense of value, as long as your world gives you your value system, you are a puppet on the end of a puppet master string. You have to cut those strings. You have to turn away from that. You have to say, Lord, I am who you say I am. Stand with me all across the house right now say this with me, Lord, I am who you say I am. I am yours. I am yours. Some people approve, some people disapprove, but Lord, I am yours. Some people like, some people dislike, Lord, I am yours. God, I pray that we as a people would not be the victim of manipulation but we would see through it we would see the lie that strikes to the heart of the world's value system we would see through the buttons that push that are pushed in our personality that give us an unhealthy reaction and then we spend days trying to get back to even ground it's like we found her at sea too far too long and finally we, we get back to ground and two weeks have been lost two months have been lost God's sake us 2 years have been lost while we reacted to circumstances that were simple deception it did not matter and we lived our life played by a string that was manipulative and destructive deceptive and cruel and we lose the mission we lose the way god i pray for every strong believer in this church i pray for every person who is growing to faith in this church help us see through the lies of hell and can somebody say in Jesus' name. I pray for every ministry in this church, oh God. I pray that they would not be set in ineffectiveness, uh, distracted by fears, distracted by criticism, but God, I'm praying today that they would have clarity of purpose. They would have uh, zeal of spiritual passion, Lord God. Help us to answer to you, to fear you and not fear man, to fear you and not fear uh, the, the enemy, not fear hell, to fear you, oh Lord. You you are our master. You are the one who says we can. Therefore, we stand and praise you in your promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray over some people here today. I've preached to some of you. I know I haven't preached to everybody here today, but there's there's Sundays like that. If I've preached to you and you desperately need what I'm preaching, raise a hand all across this house right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to acknowledge in a moment of vulnerability before the Lord. Lord Jesus, you see everyone who raised their hand. You see every heart, oh God, that is passionate for spiritual deliverance, Lord God. I I pray against the lie of the deceiver. I pray against the lie of uh, the accuser. Lord Jesus, I'm praying today that we would be awakened and drawn to heaven's promise, heaven's word, heaven's system, uh, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God manifest here on earth, Lord Jesus, that we would be effective in our purpose and our calling. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. I feel like we need to pray a little bit here today. Would you, all who would, would you step out of the chair you're in right now, and would you come just stand across this front? And as you come, would you just lift your hands and you just say, "Lord Jesus, I'm calling for your wisdom to be manifest in my life." That's right. Just just step out. Uh, we 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 have plenty of room. Just. find find a way forward. Let's just call upon the name of the Lord here today. Lord Jesus, we are praying against every attack of the enemy. We're praying against every lie of hell. We are praying against every deception of the flesh. I'm praying against insecurity that has settled upon some of your people and has destroyed their spiritual effectiveness because it has in some way drawn out of them uh, the fears of when they were young in their faith, uh, things they went through in the early years of their consecration and devotion. Lord, I'm praying today, i believe in today that you would intervene on their behalf, oh God, by the power of your spirit, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord Jesus, we're calling on you today. Don't let us be distracted away from the work. Don't let us be pulled away from the mission. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you'll help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area,